You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. You're not gonna leave me alone, are you? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Grand Pooba, the Big Kahuna. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Percy Sledge. He tells the story that as a young boy, literally picking cotton in the cotton fields in Alabama. The other folks in the field with him used to say, Percy, that voice of yours is going to make you famous. And he'd say, I'm just a kid in the cotton field picking cotton with you. How's that going to be possible? But in a parallel universe, while he's growing up in that field, a sharecropper's son who happens to be white named Rick Hall is about to create literally a hundred yards away from that field a recording studio literally in the middle of nowhere with no background in it but tapping into the african-american population in the south and will change the musical world forever it's a magical moment So the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery to me, those worlds I live in that I'm passionate about, they're all the same. So that's today's topic, this magical revolution in sound. Let's hear Muscle Shoals, the word magic being used by Bono from U2, number one. Magic is the word that comes to mind for me when I think of Muscle Shoals. It's about... Alchemy. It's about turning metal, the iron in the ground, the, the rust into gold. You just have to listen and you will be transported. You will be changed. You're going to hear some of the greatest voices that ever were. One, two, three. One, two, three. That's Bono all the way in Ireland across the ocean, hearing the sound from Muscle Shoals. Well, across the ocean in England in the 60s, who else is paying attention but the Beatles and the Rolling Stones? Let's hear Keith Richards talking about hearing that sound coming out of that little studio in the backwoods of Alabama. Number two. Yeah, the sound coming out. There was an amazing feel, kind of... uh magnetic i suppose in a way sound wise and then after a while this word muscle shows comes into the picture and then you put two and two together and that was when i said if we get the chance we got to go down there you know and it started by a man named rick hall the sharecropper's son all in the span of a few months his wife his brand new wife dies in a car accident He was driving the car. 
His mom had left him when he was a baby. His father's raising him, living in a place with no plumbing, in the middle of the woods. He's got nothing. But one day, he decides to turn his life around. Let's listen to number five. All of this gravitated towards, what am I going to do the rest of my life? And I decided to come back to Muscle Shows. But this time, I came back with a vengeance. I came back with a determination that I was going to kick some ass take some names and I was going to make it in the music business and so I set up shop in a little candy and tobacco warehouse I closed the doors I hid my car I didn't talk to girls I didn't make dates I didn't do anything except write songs and I was totally obsessed with the business let's listen to number six now you got to realize Rick Hall is this older man we're all 18, 19 years old. And Rick's, what, 28, 29? 29. He had the vision for the recording. Rick made records with a group of teenage kids, okay, that became hit records, world-class records. You asked me to give up the hand of the girl I love. But the first song he makes is Steal Away with Jimmy Hughes. Let's go to number three. The first record I cut in the studio was a record called Still Away by Jimmy Hughes, brand new building, and I was hoping it had the magic. I didn't know. So I brought my band in, and I went up in the control room and sat down. Okay, all set. I turned on the microphones and nervously hit the talkback button to the musicians and said with a slight crackle in my voice, rolling. When they kicked off Steal Away, I sat behind the console and wept. Mm. Number four. I just had huge chill bumps come up on my arms, and the hair on my back of my neck actually stood up. And of course, this was the birth of the Muscle Show sound. Mm. I've got to see you somehow. Rick Hall tells stories about being colorblind, tapping into the African-American music to help shape and create rhythm and blues through this tiny little recording studio. And then they take a break and go to lunch and go to the diner in town where <laughs> this is in the 60, early 60s in Alabama. A white guy ain't walking into a diner with a bunch of black guys. So he's fighting a battle. The revolution is really bringing black artists to the white recording studio. Mm. Let's go to number seven. Thank you very much. We're going to do our slow this one. This is Mick Jagger, called, uh, Rolling Stones. You better move on. It was the only thing we did like that. I think mean, the girls really adored this song. It was a big hit for us in England. It was like a number one record. If you ask me it comes from Rick Hall, Muscle Shoals. I think the Beatles beat us to Arthur Alexander by like a couple of weeks. You know, they cut Anna, and I think we cut Better Move On maybe a month later. It was uh, a love of Arthur Alexander. Number eight. 
The groove that we set up came from rhythm and blues music. I remember when Paul Simon called Stax Records, talked to Al Bell, and said, Hey, man, I want those same black players that played on I'll Take You There. He says, That can happen, but these guys are mighty pale. people could not believe <laughs> that my whole band was white guys that played behind me. People have arrived at Muscle Shoals expecting to meet these black dudes and they're a bunch of white guys that look like they worked in the supermarket around the corner. The songs written by the white guys, the high school kids in the band making that funky sound, bunch of white guys, but the singers were black. He did it, Rick Hall. This is hilarious. Listen to the very first time he's being, he's meeting Wilson Pickett at the airport in Alabama. And Wilson Pickett does not know that who he's about to meet is this white cracker, Rick Hall. Let's do number nine. I met Wilson Pickett, picked him up at the airport. He looked like to me a dangerous man. <laughs> he walks up like he'd known me for five on a year. Hey, Wilson, come on, come on. We're going to cut some fucking drugs. Boy, we're going to really cut some drugs. Come on, Wilson. Come on. I said, wait, wait. I'm, I'm nervous, you know what I mean? Now, what does white man know about producing a Wilson Pickett? <laughs> and on the way to the studio, I'd look at him, and he'd look at me, and I could see it in his eyes. He was thinking, oh, what am I doing with this cracker down here in Alabama? Okay, number 10. Coming to Muscle Shoals was the turning point. That's Aretha where, Franklin. Uh, I recorded I Never Loved a Man, which became my first million-selling record. So absolutely, it was a milestone and the turning point in my career. We use the word magical, what Rick Hall did in music. You're listening to The Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai This is Aretha Franklin's first number one hit. CBS Records let her go. And it wasn't until she came to Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and Rick Hall that this song came about. Oh. Queen of Soul, recording with a bunch of teenage white kids from Alabama. Magic, pure magic, and a revolution in sound, and the birth of R&B in the 60s. Wow. Joining me now is a man who knows a lot about making a revolution in sound, the great Alan Mask from Sonos. Alan, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Anytime. Thank you for having me, Doc. So what do you think about this connecting the dots of the magical sound in Monday Night Football <laughs> and Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and Sonos. <laughs> well, I think quite fondly of it. You know, those are comparisons and parallels that we draw all the time. So you're doing what we do every day. Wow. Well, Alan, first of all, where are you from? Where did you grow up? What your dad do for a living? And how did you wind up in the music business? Yes, there is a good question. So I'm originally from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's awesome to come after a Howard Cosell segment because I think he's a North Carolina guy. By he is. Family. He grew up yeah. Howard Cone in North Carolina. He was born. I uh, changed his name to Cosell because his his grandfather was an immigrant from Poland, 
and to pay respect because they changed uh, the name from to, to Americanize it. He said, "The hell with that. My name's Cosell. Changed his name as an NYU lawyer and wound up as a union lawyer and wound up wow. representing Muhammad Ali and Jackie Robinson." And just like Rick Hall in the South, embracing the black music at the time and creating R&B, it was Howard Cosell embracing Muhammad Ali. He was the first sportscaster to actually call him Muhammad. And when you think about Magical Sound and Revolution, both these guys in two different worlds embracing the African-American culture is what launched their careers. It's very interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and so, you know, being from North Carolina, originally I'm very familiar with, with the music, and of course he is a journalist, I studied journalism at the University of North Carolina, and my parents uh-huh. are actually physicians, and so they're they're more like you than not, my dad's an anesthesiologist, <laughs> my mom's OBGYN, and so, wow. I'm bred in the southeast, mis- misplaced on the west coast, some would say. <laughs> so, you study what in college, How? let's hear your journey, it's fascinating. Yeah, for sure. So I've studied journalism and mass communication at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, my first role out of school was actually in finance, though. It was on Wall Street. And so I was a business reporting major in school and, you know, hmm. was also an entrepreneur. I started a small company and was really interested in how companies were capitalized. And that kind of led me into a early career in private equity and investment banking. And then one thing led to another. You know, I, I, my now wife was in San Francisco at the time when I was on Wall Street. And so I went to the West Coast, ended up at Google, was there for a number of years. And that was the beginning of my journey in technology and went through a few startups, was at Airbnb for some time. And for the past three and a half years, I've been down here in Santa Barbara. So about 100 miles north of where you are right now, I'm at Sonos. And so it's been, huh. it's been a good run, a circuitous path. But I'm very grateful to be here. You know, you're a renaissance man. Having <laughs> touched base in all these different fields, it makes a difference in terms of when you walk in the room, you've got different eyes in your head than all those other folks who've been very unidimensional in terms of what they've done on their career path. You can see through the forest into the actual trees. That's amazing. Um, tell us a little yeah, well, thank you. I think uh, we learned it all from Michelangelo. You know, he was a member of three separate guilds. He was a member of the Architecture Guild, the Painting Guild, and the Sculpture uh, Guild. In fact, when he used to go into the, the marble quarries, the way he would designate that this is the stone for him, because he would actually go into the mountain and look for the specific rock he wanted, he would draw three separate circles that interconnected like a Venn diagram. That was his signature. This is the rock I want. Uh, represent. It kind of looks like the Olympics with the five circles. His were three circles interconnecting. This is my stone because he could see the figure that lied within the stone in the mountain. A Renaissance man in all three fields. Um, you're, you're an art historian too. You, you can you do it all. <laughs> I, I try. I try. I'm a sculptor. Um, I tell people I work in stone and bone. Your company though. Alan, is fascinating. Tell us about the birth of this company. Who put it together? Where did the inspiration come from? And teach us a little bit about exactly what does Bluetooth mean? Yeah, for sure. And so so Sonus is a company that was started in 2002 by by four founders, including a man named John McFarlane, who was actually involved with bringing me to the company and helped hire me. These guys were rebel surfers, you know, living in Santa Barbara. They had had a successful exit and some previous success in technology ventures and 
they were looking for their next big thing, like we often do in transition. And they had a lot of software and networking experience. And they thought, you know, hey, we we think the future of music or the future of audio out loud is actually going to be streaming. This is well before, you know, that came to foot. And so they invented Sonos and were a first mover of sorts in terms of being able to help facilitate that and have any song from any source play in any room of your home. I was one of the first customers before it, you know, you know, way back in the early 2000s. And there was something called Rhapsody. I'll never forget trying to figure out what's on Rhapsody, oh, yeah. where oh, you yeah. loaded the specific like genre of songs you wanted to make a playlist. So this was an innovation. Is there, when you have four guys coming together, did one handle the art, one handle the technology, one handle the money? What was the need for all four of these guys? You know, I think early early on in the early days, just like with many ventures, you wear many hats. And, you know, even in my role now as chief of staff at the company, there really is no job that isn't mine. And that was especially mm-hmm. true in the beginning, you know, when there are four mm-hmm. folks at a round table trying to figure out what's next. And so I think everybody kind of did a little bit of everything. You know, the company's mm-hmm. early roots is in hardcore technology. You know, Sonus is a company that's known for a powerful, you know, IP portfolio. And so we're built on a lot of invention, um, which is part of our claim to fame and, and, you know, really, a, a, we started off as this wireless, you know, in-home sound system, and we've expanded on since then. You mentioned Bluetooth. We actually just made our first foray into Bluetooth um, a couple launches ago with a product that we have called Sonos Move. And so traditionally, we've been focused on the home, but people are starting to see us branch out beyond the home, um, especially with that first product, which I think you have, the Sonos Move, which has Bluetooth built in. So we were mm-hmm. innovating back then, and we continue to innovate now, trying to bring brilliant sound to as many spaces as we can. What exactly is ARC? A-R-C. All right, so ARC is our latest product. Yeah, you must have been following the news. So we, we last week, you know, we introduced a suite of new products. Sonos ARC is our latest. That is our brand-new premium sound bar for your television. Um, it's great for sports, movies, music, and more. It has 3D sound built in with Dolby Atmos, which we're really excited about. And Sonos has been celebrated for many years for all of our products, but especially for our sound bar products. So Play Bar is kind of like our flagship, you know, sound bar from some years ago. Um, did incredibly well in its category. I think it's actually the highest, the best-selling play bar or sound bar of all time. And then we introduced Sonos Beam a couple of years ago, which was more of an entry-level product. And this is our premium, our big one, the bad boy. So the Sonos Arc, um, we just announced that it's on pre-order right now. It'll be available everywhere June 10th. Hmm. You know, I want to take advantage, Alan, of you being with me right now, just like two guys sitting at a bar, because <laughs> I, I really, I love where you come from artistic as well as scientific i mean just what steve jobs did to create apple bringing the world of technology and art together but let's go back in time i want to play these two sound bites of pete roselle the commissioner of football in the 60s who is now bringing the idea of a football game to primetime television and how initially it's actually not accepted. Um, but I would love to hear what you think about hearing these sound bites. Rebecca, let's play distant replay number four and then number five. See, we had somewhat of a track record because we had experimented, I think, in five primetime games with CBS for various nights of the week earlier in the 60s. And we were convinced it would go. And uh, we talked to CBS and they said, you know what, Doris Day? And uh, they... They had Carol Burnett that night. The NBC had Monday Night Movie. So then I talked to Rune and uh, made these five previous primetime games have done well. And 
he was obviously very interested and he would have to do a selling job on the network perhaps. And we figured that we would lose something like a hundred of our stations. This is Runar. Who would carry the football games independently, which would have wiped us out on Monday night. And so it was really fear more than anything else that is the way I got the network to agree to it. Back in 69, when we were negotiating this, we had a provision in the contract that ABC had to guarantee that every game would be shown in color because it wasn't necessarily automatic in those days. Can you imagine? What goes through your mind when you hear about that sales pitch, using fear, um, being excited about bringing sports to Monday night as primetime entertainment? What do you think when you hear that, Alan? You know, I think that's still happening right now. You know, I think we what we've learned over the years, especially as we interact with our content and entertainment in different ways, we started to see how powerful it can be to enhance or sharpen a sensory experience or even be able to add a contextual dimension to what it is that you're used to experience in analog. There's a lot more that we can do on digital, or we can at least give people access in a way that they didn't have otherwise, that they couldn't be there in the game. And that's something that Sonos is always trying to do, whether we're trying to render perfectly an artist's intent when they make a song. They want it to sound just as well in the wild as it does in the studio. And it's the same thing for athletics as well. We want to bring people as close to the game as possible, as close to the floor, the 50-yard line as possible. And adding dimension with sound and being able to present that in a different way, we're doing it now in not too dissimilar of a way that they were doing it then. Although, of course, they got us over that first hurdle, which is putting it on screen, and we're trying to do the rest as we go. Let's do one more soundbite. I want to hear what goes through your mind. Let's take advantage of having you and your brain on the radio with me right now. Rebecca, let's go to Muscle Shoals uh, number three. This is when Rick Hall is literally making his very, he's cutting his very first record. And what I just love about life, surgery, art, sports, you don't need someone to translate when you know it's a hit. Again, whether it's in surgery, sports, or art, no one has to tell you why you love it. You just can tell this intangible, this sixth sense. Let's listen to number three, Muscle Shoals. The first record I cut in the studio was a record called Still Away by Jimmy Hughes, brand new building, and I was hoping it had the magic. I didn't know. So I brought my band in, and I went up in the control room and sat down. Okay, all set. I turned on the microphones and nervously hit the talkback button to the musicians and said with a Slap crackle in my voice, rolling. When they kicked off Steel Away, I sat behind the console and wept. Let's play number four. I just had huge chill bumps come up on my arms, and the hair on my back of my neck actually stood up. And of course, this was the birth of the Muscle Show sound. I've got to see you somehow, not tomorrow, right now. Mm. So, Alan, you're in a meeting. The hair goes up on the back of your neck. You can't explain it, 
but you just know it's right. What do you think about exactly. that soundbite? You know, it's incredible, you know, and, and it reminds me so much of why I'm at Sonos. It reminds me so much of why we do what we do. I mean, we were trying to create that experience that Mr. Rick had over and over again. You know, we want you to be in your home and be able to feel like you're actually on the other side of a talk back in a control room. And I know what that's like as an artist, as a recording artist, as a musician myself, you know, being able to create that and recreate that over and over again for a listener who may have no access or may not even know the story of Muscle Shoals is exactly what we're out for. It's a magical experience that both creators and listeners can experience, and we're constantly trying to recreate that and reproduce that. And so it feels very familiar and reminds me of why I'm even talking to you now. <laughs> All right, before I let you go, you're just fantastic. I can tell already, Alan. And it's because you're a surfer, by the way. Let's not discount that from North Carolina, no less. What's new? What's the future look like for Sonos? What are you guys up to next? Yeah, well, you know, I, I mentioned ARC, so we just introduced some new hardware. We refreshed a couple old classics in our portfolio, so our sub as well as Sonos 5. We actually just launched Sonos Radio, which we're really excited about. I know there are even some folks from Sonos that are listening to this interview now on Sonos Radio that has everything from stations like ESPN LA to curated stations like Kids Rock and Indie Gold and some curated stations by incredible musicians like Tom York and Brittany Howard. And so we're trying to think through what role we play in content as well as we've introduced Sonos Radio and um, I mentioned Sonos Move, which is our first product with Bluetooth, the one I think that you have. We're constantly thinking through how can we mm -hmm. get at other dimensions in sound and space? How can we reinvent the way people experience audio again and again and again? And so, you know, nothing further to share beyond the big set of announcements that we had last week, but you can look to us to continue to innovate, not just on the hardware side, but the content side as well with the introduction, with the introduction of radio, excuse me. You know, for me, it's really exciting. You want to be depressed? You want to hear how tough life is? I got plenty of people for you to talk to. The people I love hanging out with, particularly when I'm waiting for waves in the ocean, when I surf uh, every Sunday in Ventura, I want to be around the people that are excited, who can see that the glass is half full. And I get that it's tough times. Listen, I'm a surgeon, so I really know what it's like. And I was in the hospital this week. But what a pleasure it is to be talking to you right now, Alan, and to be Likewise. part of a company, Sonos, that that really is excited about the future. And you should be, because it is going to be wireless, it is going to be Bluetooth, and it is going to be melding the world of sports, the arts, and all of that. You know, you really have made a, a, a huge impression on me and everybody who's listening right now, because you can tell in your voice the excitement for the future. What a pleasure to talk to you, Alan. Thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Likewise. Uh, grateful to be here. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Okay, young man. Talk soon. And thanks to the great Jared a Abrams for making this happen. Appreciate it. All right. The clinic will be open. I got so much to talk about, and I got to talk about food. Two things, hot dogs and chocolate. Oh, my God. What a week I had. I'll explain further. The clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. The same word magicals used by George Plimpton, the great journalist, to describe what Rune Arledge brought to ABC Sports for the very first time in 1970, Monday Night Football, came to primetime. No longer a football game on Sunday. The genius behind it, was three announcers in the booth, most notably the lost, uh, the New York lawyer, Howard Cosell. Listen to George Plimpton talk about the magical 
experience of hearing sports with Howard Cosell, Don Meredith, and Frank Gifford. Number 10, Monday Night Football. People tuned in to hear what Howard was going to say or how he was going to get on Frank and what witnesses and what Texas bit of whimsy would come out of uh, Meredith's mouth so that it was an extra quality that had been, was added to the game. Entertainment reared its head far more than it did on Sunday. It was a brilliant idea and uh, it was magical. Monday night suddenly became Monday night in. Listen to Howard yelling at a bunch of journalists about what you're hearing is someone different, irreverent, calling a game. I'm a New York lawyer, but it's my show now. It, the revolution is on. Let's listen to number seven. But in fact, you're writing about us. How many of you look to your own papers? Have sports writers who are still writing Monday night football's a disaster. Whom are they in touch with? Whom are they writing for? Well, the good thing about Monday night football was that the announcers became bigger than the show. I think people mm -hmm. turned on Monday Night Football to see and hear what Meredith, Cosell, and Gifford were going to say, especially Meredith and especially Cosell. But with these guys and the personalities that they had, and they were so different, absolutely one was different from the other, I really believe that the three announcers didn't like each other at all. That was Chet Ford. Forty, the director, talking about it. All right, let's go to the beginning. How did it get started? Let's go to distant replay number four. This is Pete Rozelle. Actually, we had somewhat of a track record because we had experimented Michigan. on him five primetime games with CBS for various nights of the week earlier in the 60s. And we were convinced that we'd go. And uh, we talked to CBS and they said, you know what, move Doris Day? And uh, they... They had Carol Burnett that night, and the NBC had Monday Night Movie. So then I talked to him and uh, made a case of these five previous primetime games that done well. And he was obviously very interested, and I knew he would have to do a selling job on the network, perhaps. Number five, this is Rune Arledge, the head of ABC. We figured that we would lose something like 100 of our stations who would carry the football games independently, which would have wiped us out on Monday night. And so it was really fear more than anything else that is the way I got the network to agree to it. Back in 69, when we were negotiating this, we had a provision in the contract that ABC had to guarantee that every game would be shown in color because it wasn't necessarily automatic in those days. Talk about the early days. Black and white versus color. Incredible. All right, let's go to the beginning and how this idea that Rune Arledge and Pete Rozelle of bringing three announcers in the booth and one of them being Howard Cosell who is not trained to be a professional sports announcer, but he was really responsible for revolutionizing the sound that we hear and what football is nowadays. Who's bigger in football than Chris Berman? I don't know, but Chris Berman is actually giving credit to the craft that he learned from Howard Cosell. So let's go to number one, Chris Berman. Who would have guessed back in 1970 that it was a big gamble putting NFL football on primetime television? I mean, Monday Night Football was a part of our culture. Just think back. What a great night TV was. Ronan Martin's laughing from 8 to 9. Then Monday Night Football with Dandy Don and the gang from 9 o'clock on. Was it that long ago that Joe Willie and the Jets were beaten in that opening Monday night game in Cleveland? And now you're going to hear what Howard Cosell sounded like during halftime, during the doing the replays. Let's listen to that. 
number two. We pick up in the third quarter. 10-7, the Cardinals leading. Wilson handing off on that draw to Rogers. Watch him bust that tackle. And he's on his way. That handoff to Eddie Lee Ivory. And look at number 40 go. And what a day he had. 109 yards on 17 rushes. Six to three Rams, first quarter. Lions ball, Billy Sims. 20. Watch him. Remember the number. You know the name. Touchdown. Third play from scrimmage. Number 82, Alan Page, the counselor at law, banging the ball out of Kenny's hand. Now listen to Chris Berman. Literally, what do they say? Flatter, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Listen to Chris Berman imitating Howard Cosell, giving him the credit. Uh, number three. You remember because you were there. We all were there for Howard's halftime highlights, weren't we? He did so many wondrous things in his career, broadcasting through the years. But I'll tell you, that was as good as it got. A lot of what I do on primetime, responsible for the way Howard Cosell did those highlights. And we thank him. And the greatest who ever did it, Pat Summerall from CBS Sports, he remembers how they tried Monday Night Football at CBS, but they weren't going to give up on Gunsmoke. This was a risk, believe it or not, at the time for ABC and Rune Arledge. Let's listen to number four. Well, the earliest Monday night football games were actually on CBS as an experiment. Bob Wood was then the president of the network, and Pete Rozelle tried to convince Bob Wood that CBS should do Monday night football. And Wood's argument was, we have Gunsmoke on Monday night. We have I Love Lucy on Monday night. We're the number one network. Why should we make a change and take a gamble on professional football? Roselle really, really tried his best to get CBS to carry Monday Night Football. Well, they turned, they turned thumbs down, and that's how ABC got involved. And number five. Mired in third place with soggy soap operas and insipid comedy. ABC Sports. ABC's Rune Arledge figured the network had nothing to lose and struck a deal for the Monday Night Package. The next task was to put together a broadcast crew. Arrogant, pompous, obnoxious, vain, cruel, persecuting, distasteful, verbose, a show-off. There's no question that I'm all of those things. <laughs> and finally, number six. Next, ABC paired the polysyllabic New York lawyer with the homespun humor of Texas twanging Don Meredith. And I think it was the fact that you had Don, who was totally uh, outrageous and uh, disrespectful. Uh, and he wasn't nearly as much so as people thought he was, but he was just a good old down home boy that could, he could say, oh, Howard, and America thought he was wonderful. And if you don't think the players played harder because they were now on prime time, you're kidding yourself. The iconic running back from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Franco Harris, let's listen, number eight. The games were a rating smash and a big hit with the players as well. Personally, I loved Monday Night Football. And, and like to me, it was always a little bit, little bit more special. There's no doubt about it. Uh, just because of that, that, that this is your night and everybody's tuned in to you. They can't go watch another game. If they want to watch football, this is it. So like it's time to make sure that we're at our best. Monday Night Football changed America's viewing habits and became a national phenomenon. It was a revolution, a magical moment in sound in the world of sports, just like Muscle Shoals and Rick Hall, a visionary in music, Sonos in the world of making a speaker for your house using wireless technology. And for me in surgery, surgery learning from my teacher, Dr. Ranawat, how to use my hearing the sound, the magical 
changes in tone when I work on bone with my tools. What a great topic today. Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And I also want to take you into surgery this week, an ACL and a knee meniscus that I did, and explain what I found and why and what you can do as a weekend warrior to prevent it. And don't forget, we got to talk about that hot dog and chocolate. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN.